0: Today. Uh, my name is Cecil Lopez, and I uh, have the honor to, and privilege to humbly share with you God's Word today. And uh, this is uh, Ivan here. Ivan is going to be interpreting today. And uh, it's great to see everybody here before we start. Don't we have a fantastic worship team? Fantastic worship team. And uh, before we start, I do want to say, welcome to the Valley Church you're here for the first time it is an honor to have you here as we worship God and today we uh, continue our service and our series on hashtag Jesus worth following. I hope you're having a great week. God is definitely blessing us with some very nice El Nino weather and uh, today's a great time to worship. Let's go to God in prayer. God, we thank you for this time that we could worship you. We're so humbled by the fact that we can have such an incredible facility, incredible weather, incredible worship songs. Uh, Father, all is to your glory. As we go into your word, I really pray, Father, that you move in our hearts. Help us, Father, to understand what it means to really follow you wholeheartedly, Father. We're so grateful for this opportunity. May it glorify you. It's in Christ, and we pray. Amen. All right. Good morning, everyone. Good to be here today. You know, um, as we continue our series on Jesus Worth Following, I uh, received a a, um, a mail or an email from a friend of mine in the Philippines, and it was very uh, humbling because he sent me some pictures of when uh, my wife and I was there about 19 years ago, 18, 19 years ago. And it, it showed us pictures of uh, the uh, areas that we served, especially those areas that were very less fortunate. It was about 68 pictures. And I said, wow, this definitely brought me, brought me back. It was good seeing those pictures. Um, I looked at some of those pictures. I thought that was C.J. or Daniel, but that was me. <laughs> and it, it was just a reminder. It was a reminder of when I made the decision to follow God, I said, wow. You know what? I'm making Jesus Lord of my life. And it was great seeing the baptisms in the last couple of weeks. Amen. And I remember when making that decision, I'm saying, I trust you, Jesus. The world is behind me and the cross is before me. And I don't know what you have in front of me, but it's going to be exciting. I trust you. And then we were asked about two years later if we can move to the Philippines. And I said, wow. And at that time, right after I was baptized, we went into the full-time ministry. And after a year, we went to go serve in one of the most hardest areas of Los Angeles, Newport Beach, Orange County. (laughs) So I'm showing you a picture here of a place called Balboa Island. This was my regular prayer walk. This was my prayer walk. It was the homes. It was the yachts. Matter of fact, we helped someone become a Christian who lived on one of the yachts. It was just a fun time. And I'll never forget uh, driving on PCH, Pacific Coast Highway, and looking at my, my babe, Jennifer, and I said, honey, I love our life. And you know, it's funny, when you say that, when you say Jesus, I really love my life. I feel very comfortable where I'm at right now. You, you, You better watch out. Because that's saying, God, here's an invitation to take me to another level. So we were asked to go to the Philippines, and it's always been a dream because I wanted to reach out to my father. I didn't know what it meant to be a missionary. I didn't know what it meant to live in the Philippines. All I wanted was a chance as I followed Jesus to give my father, who was living at the Philippines at that time, a chance to know God. So, in one week time, I went from my prayer walks here to my prayer walks here. So, this is a very typical street canal. This is our, our Naples of Manila. And there's no gondolas there, just bunk us. And this was my prayer walk. And I remember praying there, and I said, Wow, what a difference! What a difference. And why do I say this to you? Because I'm grateful for how God gives you and I opportunities to not only follow him, but the the quality of how we follow him. He takes it to another level. Maybe you just thought, I'm going to go to church one day. I love it. This is great singing service. Study the Bible. Sure. Wow. I didn't know. And then you went to another level. I think when we ask the question, and we look at our series, and we look at that hashtag Jesus worth following, the question we got to ask ourselves, why do we follow? Is it still worth following after one week following Jesus? Is it still worth following after five years, 10 years, 20 years? And I have to tell you, as I reflect as those pictures, I have to say yes. But I also say it ain't easy sometimes. And I tell you, the thing that I learned in that adventure, I just was in a time machine, and I got frozen in time, and I said, wow, Jesus, it's been a blast following you, but you really changed my heart going to the Philippines, going to the third world, being able to say, yes, I'll still follow you. You're calling me here? Yes, I will follow you. And I tell you the reason why, because it allowed me to understand not only what it means to become more like Christ, but what it means to serve like Christ. It helped me understand what it means to lead like Christ. It helped me understand what it means to really change the world one soul at a time. And then I say this to you because while wow, walking those streets of Manila from Newport Beach, Manila has some rats on steroids. If we had a rat international competition, <laughs> Philippines would be in the top three. And I say this to you because at times, whether it's rats on steroids, whether it's discouragement, whether it's twists and turns in your journey in following Jesus, we do have to ask ourselves, is it worth finding, worth, worth following Jesus? And we need to really find the right answer all the time because Jesus will always do his best to help us to become more like him. And I want to share with you today one reason why I love following Jesus, what's inspiring about Jesus, because he's not only a great servant, but he's a great leader. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 20. Jesus was the greatest leader who ever lived. He modeled a unique approach to leadership that defies our expectation and changed the world. In our family ministry, we, we talk a lot about this this year, about Jesus, but more specifically on what it means to be a servant leader. And this is really convicting me as I think to my, stick to my personal theme, more Jesus less me. And I want to share with you scripture in Matthew chapter 20 and give you a background of what's going on here before we jump here. Jesus was with his disciples in Jericho, and they're on their way to Jerusalem. And on their way to Jerusalem, Jesus says, hey, this is what's going to happen to me. I'm going to die. And I'm going to raise on the third day. I just want you to know. And the guys were just thinking, what are you talking about, Jesus? And as Jesus was saying this with the background music in the back. This is what was going on. A mother and his two sons walked by. And look what happens in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, 20 to 28. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it you want? Here's a mom. Don't we love our mothers? Here's our mo- mom with her two sons. She's embarrassing them. She said, "Come on, come on, come on, come on! It's hey, Jesus. It's our opportunity. Come on, come on! Shh, 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 let me do all the talking first." And she kneels down. and tells you the kind of relationship that she has towards Jesus. Very comfortable, very understanding the the the, 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 um, the authority, but yet feeling so approachable. And then Jesus says, what do you want? You know, moms are like that. Moms always want the best for their kids. I don't forget when my mom told me that we're going to enroll you to learn an instrument. And I said, what instrument is that? It's the accordion. And I was so fired up that I'm going to learn how to play the accordion. I played it for six or seven years. But you know what I asked my mom? Mom, what's an accordion? I had no idea what an accordion was. But my mom was so proud of me. And every time, everywhere we go, come on, bring your accordion. But mom, we're just going to your birthday party. Just bring your accordion. (laughs) We're going to McDonald's. Just bring your accordion. She had me playing McDonald's one time. (laughs) Moms are like that. You ever see, you know, in school in the morning time. Moms are some of the most aggressive drivers around. Don't get in a mom's way between 7.30 and 8 a.m. And here's the mom of Zebedee having that mom opportunity. And then she says this to Jesus. She says, grant that one of these two boys of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but the sit on my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they've been prepared for by my father. And then mom was fired up. The sons were saying, okay, mom, you did it again, but all right. But then the bros got a little indignant. They said, wait a minute, we should have brought our mom too. And look what happens in verse 24. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. That's not fair. They were thinking that Jesus is going to restore the physical kingdom. They were thinking that, and mom was thinking definitely, Jesus is going to be restored as king, so if I can get my boys in there, you know what? We're gonna be okay. At least pick one, your choice, left or right. See mom was thinking more of a worldly perspective of authority. The bros were jealous because wait a minute, all of a sudden they're coming in. They, we didn't you know, what happened here? They got mad. All of a sudden, everyone was just getting a whole different perspective of what it meant to follow Jesus and what it meant to live for Jesus. And then Jesus says right here, he called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercised authority over them. He said, okay, you know how the world rolls. You got one grand poobah here. And he's over everyone, and everyone does what he says. You know how they roll over there, the Romans. You know how they roll. You've got the Caesar. You've got everyone underneath them. Whatever he says, they roll according to what he says. And not only that, but the rulers, they lord it over them. They take advantage of the people that follow them. And what he was trying to help them understand, that that's the world's way of influencing He was trying to help them understand that this is how the world interprets leadership. And he was trying to help understand, if you really want to follow me, you got to have a healthy understanding of what it means to lead, of what it means to be a leader, the way Jesus lives. Because look what he says right here in verse 24, not so with you. He said, guys, not with you. You, They may do it, but you and I, we're not going to do this. He says, instead, whoever wants to become great, listen to this, Mom. Mom, you still here? He said, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. And he says, this is how we do it. This is how I do it. And the thing I love about Jesus, he never called people to do something he would not do. That's the kind of leader I would love to follow. And he says in verse 28, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He said, not so with you. You know, leadership is about influence you and I would not be here where we're at today if we weren't influenced by someone you had the hairstyle you have today because you were influenced by someone you are wearing what you're wearing today because you were influenced by someone you have made choices in your life decisions in your life because you were influenced by someone Whether it's a parent, whether it's a coach, whether it's a teacher, whether it's a neighbor, maybe it's a celebrity. I don't know, but we all are very capable about being influenced. And the other thing is this. Guess what? You're also capable of influencing other people. You're you're capable of influencing other people. And I say this to you because that's what Jesus is trying to understand As the authority was given to him, and he's passing it on to the brothers, as he's passing it on to us, we got to understand what it means to follow Christ and be a servant, but also be the kind of leader he wants us to be, the way we influence people. And that's what I want you to understand today. As we follow Jesus, as he changes our life, like it or not, You're going to shine, like it or not. You're going to glow in the dark, like it or not. You're going to influence people one way or the other. Now, I praise God that we have an example to follow in Jesus. Amen. And the great thing about Jesus, he was not only a leader, but he was also a servant. But, you know, being a servant is not easy. You know, my son got a job at at a restaurant as a server. And I said, the Lord knows what he needed. (laughs) And he had to get his, he would train all the way in Torrance. So he'd take a bus to go to LAX and then get another ride from LAX all the way to Torrance. And he was saying, Dad, man, it's so hard. Dad, come on, Dad. Do you think you can bring me sometimes? You know what? I can sometimes, but you know what? This is part of your training, son. This is part of it. So he got in there and they trained him. They, they challenged him on this and that. I said, wow, good. Let me see what you got. Sample at home, son. <laughs> but you know what? It's become part of his life now. I said, wow, that's great. Being a servant is incredible. I work in, how many people work in a restaurant business before I was a servant? Oh, there you go. There you go. I can tell. How, you know, I can tell you do that because your hand goes like this. I can tell, right? See? I can tell. You don't go like this. You go like that. But you got to understand that there are barriers in becoming the servant leader that Jesus wants us to become. And one of the key barriers to become a servant leader is self-interest. It's hard to become the servant leader that Jesus wants us to be in our family, it's hard to become the servant leader that Jesus wants us to be in our work, in our school, if self-interest is in front of us. And that's why Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 and 4, he talks about imitating Christ, but he says, look out for the interests of others. Self-interest is difficult to have in our heart if we want to follow Christ and if we want to become a servant leader. Basically, you can't follow Christ. You can't be a servant leader if self-interest is in your heart. So, what a self-interest looks like. You know what self-interest looks like? A self-interest heart looks at the world and a, it says it pretty much gives a little and takes a lot. Someone with self-interest, they put their own agenda in front of everyone's else. They, they, they're not worried about the safety of others, only their safety, they're worried about their status, their gratification. And, and their only concern is me, myself, and I ahead of those they affect by their thoughts and their actions. How can you tell if someone's self-interest? I don't know. I've stopped counting the days how many times I've been cut off in the streets of Los Angeles on the freeway. Someone who cuts you off is someone whose self-interest. And they're not worried about the other people. They just want to get from point A to point B. Someone with self interest, they 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 punish people who disagree with them or challenge their position. And what they try to do, exploit the weakness and fears of others to get what they want. And why is that? Because someone with self interest has a self motivated heart. You have self interest in your heart, it's hard to follow Christ, it's hard to be a servant leader. And you got to ask yourself a question today. Is that, am I, if I'm, am I like a servant leader or am I more of a self-serving leader? See, no one likes to admit that they're a self-serving leader, right? But you can tell at work who is the self-serving person. You can tell in the meetings. You can tell in the decisions being made. You can tell on where the trajectory of the company is going towards because it's centered around what that person wants. The co-worker, someone above you. That's how we notice in the organizations that we work in. But you also can tell when someone is self-serving in the home. You can tell when someone is self-serving in the home because there's that one person in the home and everyone else is a supporting cast. And they make all the, he makes or she makes all the decisions without taking consideration of other people but you know what's interesting is that you gotta ask yourself what makes people self-serving and i say this to you because i've been there and i've done that that was my whole life i was nice to you in the front i was smiles with you and and face to face and i'll do something for you but i always got to make sure i'm going to get something back in return and it's going to be greater That was my life. That's how I was trained. That's what I was taught on how to influence and change my world or be the leader that I need to be. But you know what's interesting? In the world, and you look at business books and and leadership teaching approaches, they they focus a lot on the the actions, and they focus a lot on the external things. They focus a lot on the behavior. But you know what Jesus does? He does something radical. He focuses on what's inside. He focuses, you change that first. And I'm, praise God, that he changed my life. But you've got to ask yourself, what makes people self-serving? You know, there's a book written by Gordon McDonald. And it's about organizing your life. We have all the tools to organize our life, but we've got to make sure that we organize our life spiritually. And he talks about two types of people. He talks about people who are driven, and people who are called. And I found it very interesting, and it helped me understand deeper why people are self-serving. Helps me better nat- understand my sinful nature. And he said, people who are driven, they think they own everything. Everything is theirs. Their possessions. Their relationships, their position, their image, their reputation. I've worked hard for this. And what happens is that their identity is summed up on all these things so they focus on how to protect what they own. This is mine. I worked hard. This is me. That's how driven people are. But he talks about the contrast of what call people are. Can I share with you what called people are like? Call people, on the other hand, they believe everything is on loan. Everything in life is on loan. I'm a steward. The relationships I have is on loan. There's no guarantee I'll be here next week. All the possessions I have, they're on loan. My reputation is on loan. Everything in my family is on loan. My kids is on loan from God. My wife, boy, I wish we could still be married in heaven, but I don't think that's going to happen. But soulmate forever, yes. But right now on earth, she's my wife. But she's from God. It's on loan. Everything I have is on loan. When, when you live a life and you know it's on, lo- on loan, loan. All that you have is from God. You hold on to it tightly, but what you do is that you'll open your hands and share it with other people. And that's what it was. Don't you remember when you made Jesus Lord of your life? You definitely said, The world is before me, the, cro- the, the world is behind me, and the cross is before me. Everything we have is on loan. And because of that, I could live at peace. See, the problem when we live a life that's more focused on self-interest, the problem that we have is when we, when we become more driven and we focus more about me, myself, and I, is that you push Jesus out of the way, and he's no longer the one that's leading you, but you're leading yourself when you when you when you take God out of the center it's not healthy and there's different reasons why we take God out of the center there's different reasons why I can stop following Jesus the way I need to there's different reasons why we can remove God from the picture. One is because of our pride but another reason is because of our fear. Our fear. And you know there's two types of fear I like to talk to you about. One is a godly fear versus a Toxic fear. Fear is good. Let me tell you what fear is. There's some fear that God gives us the capacity to fear him so we can draw to him. And that's what Psalms 111 verse 10 says. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Maybe what got your attention to come to church. Maybe what got your attention to read the Bible. Maybe what got your attention to finally look to God is that you realize If I keep living my life the way I am, I'm either going to end up in jail, I'm going to end up hurting people, hurting myself, being separated from God forever. Maybe that got your attention. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay to get your attention. God gives us that capacity to fear him. And we need to have a healthy fear of God. Amen. But then there's also a toxic fear. Toxic fear, if you look in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25, it says, Fear of man will prove to be a snare. Is that when we're so consumed about other people or what they think more than what God thinks? If we're consumed by our reputation and our popularity than what God thinks, if I'm more consumed and I find more security in that person versus the Word of God, then you know what? You're going to have not only a fear, but a toxic fear. And you know what the toxic fear does? It affects your relationships. It affects the way you look at things. It affects your marriage. It affects your parenting. And when you live in a toxic fear, you know what happens at times? You'll try to compensate that fear by doing something else more versus dealing what the fear are in your life. And what do I mean by that? Before I was a Christian, I did not like marriage and families. I was allergic to kids. I was allergic to kids. I never thought, never believed that I could be faithful to one woman in the world. And... My family, my love language of family was the family business. And because I didn't believe I could be that kind of husband or be that kind of father, you know what I did more? I worked hard. And what I fear, I compensated and I became a workaholic. And because our business was 24 hours, seven days a week, I would average about four hours of sleep at night because we just keep having rush crowds come in at different times of the night, and I needed to be there. I was ingrained. That was started at eight years old. And I realized that this is good, but then it affected me. I'm grateful for the teachings I've learned as a servant in the restaurant business, in the hotel, but I realized that I just became more and more addicted to work family vacation what's that holidays why are you on holidays that's where we make more money so everyone else in my family would go but not me so i would work 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 and a lot of it was just because i was there was fear sometimes we can do something so much because there's something we're afraid of Like, for example, when we're controlling something or controlling a relationship or controlling a situation, we can control that situation so much that everything has to be the way I want it because of fear, maybe getting hurt, or maybe fear of losing someone to the point where we micromanage everything. All I'm just saying is that you don't want to live in a toxic fear. You don't want to live like that. And when you feel like you're living that, you got to ask yourself, who am I following in life? Because that's not what God wants in our lives. So how do we overcome that? Because if you keep living like that kind of toxic fear, you're going to keep living your life by comparing yourself. Comparing yourself, the need to size up. Oh no, our neighbor's got a new car. Let's come up with the new plan with the new car. Oh no, they renovated their home. Okay, well, we'll figure out how to renovate our homes. Oh no, that person got a new hairstyle. I got to get a new hairstyle too. Oh no, that person got 501, 401, 509. I just got to go for the 1,000K. You know, it's a rat race. God doesn't want us to live our lives. He doesn't want you to follow that lifestyle. Jesus doesn't want you to follow that life of worldly confusion. Not at all. When you live that life, not only you are comparing, but think the truth is distorted. The Bible, well, uh, 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 the truth, no, the Bible's true. The Bible, Jesus can't set you free. Don't live your life in toxic fear, because you'll build on a lie that says that you can't trust God. And if you if you live in that kind of fear, you won't allow God to influence the way He wants to influence you, so you can influence others the right way. So, what is the key? You know what the key is? Humility. It's humility. In Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says, not to think highly, not highly than you ought to, but rather with sober judgment. You got to have a sober judgment about yourself. There's a reason why I am not on the worship song team. You would not. You would throw your communion cups at me if you heard me saying I have a sober judgment about my gift of tongues. Having a sober judgment about yourself. God loves you. If you were all that, you probably wouldn't see your need for God. But there's a reason why you and I are not all that. So we can have that other part filled up by God. But God did make you in a special way to follow him. God made you in a very unique way to follow Him, but to understand that, it's got you got to have humility. Also, you got to understand this: that in John chapter fifteen, verse five, Jesus says, "I am divine; you are the branches. If you remain in Me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from Me, you can do nothing." I love how Jesus says this. You know why Jesus was able to say this? To call people to be a servant leader. Why was he able to say that, "I am divine?" Because he was secure about his role and who he was in front of his father. He was secure in God. That's why he said, "I'm divine guys. I'm pop vine. You're the branches. It's fine with me. Don't let me be divine." We'd be in trouble, but Jesus is able to say that. And you know, it's it's awesome when you can say, "I'm a branch." Jesus, the vine. I'm the branch. But that only comes from being humble. It comes from understanding that I need to follow Jesus. And when you have the heart of the hum- of humility, guess what? You'll see the benefits of humility. In Philippians chapter four verse seven it says, "And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus." You know what happens? You're going to get a peace. Not only a peace that you see, but a peace that just overflows. You know what? I'm having a tough time at my home, but Jesus is the divine, and I'm the branch. I trust that He's working. And everything's going to be all right. There's peace. You know, when you look at the world, and man, you look at the news, it's discouraging sometimes. Look at the world. look, Look in the communities. Look and see, my goodness, all I see is problems in John chapter 14, verse 27. What happens when you have the outcome of humility? It says that peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. And Jesus says, "Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid." But Jesus is saying, "I know your situation. I got it. I'm working. I know probably you don't want me. You probably want me to work a little faster. But I, I, I'm, I'm trust me. I'm, I'm pretty good at this. I'm pretty good at this. But the key." It's for you and I to have the humility, be humble, and let Jesus lead, and you and I follow. Humility is realizing and emphasizing the importance of others. It's not just putting yourself down, but it's lifting others up around you. It's saying that I'm valuable in the eyes of God, and you are too. That's what Jesus was communicating you know, this is so important for us. That's what I reflect. I reflect in my life and following Christ. And I look back at those, I was looking at this picture and said, man, whoa, what a ride. And I remember going there. I had no idea what's going to happen. Just the needs of the people that was just so in front of you and say, what are we going to do? It's amazing to see how God worked. As we kept following Jesus, we didn't have any resources, lack of resources, personally and as a church. But God did amazing things. God helped more people become disciples. God planted more churches. God opened up five centers of hope in the Philippines that we had no money for. And you can look at the center right here, it's a great place. I hope you get a chance to visit it one day. But thousands of kids have been helped. Many people have become disciples. And I look at that and I was just I was just taken back. I said, What well, was God? And you know, I'm so glad I I said, God, I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna trust you on this. I know I'm giving up Newport Beach. I, I know it's not gonna be easy, but I'm gonna trust you on this. And it was not easy. But, you know, as I look back at that, I said, I'm glad. Because ultimately what I realized is that he changed my heart. He changed my heart. He's allowed me to follow him, and he's allowed me to be influenced by him. And because of that, I I have a better chance of influencing my wife and my children, the people around me. You know, Jesus calls you to follow him not just follow him as a cheerleader not just seasonally follow him not become a CEO follower you know what CEO follower is? Christmas Easter only no he wants you to follow him He wants you to become the servant, to influence others the way Jesus wants to influence us. So what does that mean? You're probably saying, well, yeah, I'll wait for my parents to become servant leaders first, and then I'll follow. No, 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 you become a servant leader, teen. What does that mean? Well, I'll wait for that other person. No, you become a servant leader. You serve like Christ and you influence like Christ. You can do that, husband. Can you imagine if your wife came home to a husband that was loving Jesus and and being a servant leader? Honey, sit down here. Take your shoes off, honey. Let me get some powder first. (laughs) And let me massage your feet. Wow. How about this, wife? Honey, come home. I'm waiting for you. I made your favorite dish chicken adobo tamales. <laughs> hey, that's my new invention. It's copyrighted, okay? How about this? Mom and dad, guess what? What is it, Junior? I clean my room. (laughs) What does it mean? At your work, go straight to your cubicles. Maybe it means stopping by the coffee station first and saying, hey, can I get you some coffee? Hey, you need some more coffee? What does it mean? At At your neighborhood. Hey, I noticed your trash can's been out. You might have problems. You want me to bring your trash can in? I can do that for you. Okay. What does it mean here? Hey, can I help out? I know the I know those brothers, the hauling crew, have done a great job, but man, I noticed they're getting some bags underneath their eyes. Can Can, we, can you need some? Can I help you out some? Let me help out the children. Let me help out. Let me usher. You know what? This is what I'm trying to say is this. Become a servant leader. Become a servant leader. And what does that mean? This week, I want you to ask this question, what can I do for you? You think of that person. I, no, 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 no don't, don't remove the person. You already thought about the person. Think of that person and you say, what can I do for you? I believe through that, you know what, not only does their heart change, but our heart change also. I'm grateful for Jesus. And you know, I don't know what he's going to do, but all I know is that as I continue to follow him, as he continues to change my life, influence my life, help me to grow deep in my love, in my humility, not only will I change, but I'll have a better chance of helping other people change around me that I love by serving them the way Jesus wants me to. Jesus served us by going to the cross. I hope that this lesson was helpful. I hope it inspires you to go to the word of God. And I hope it inspires you to make a decision to follow Jesus. Thank you.